Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the experience agency, D-Flash. This month for Black History Month, I'm doing 29 Days of Magic, where I'm interviewing 29 phenomenal Black women who are doing some incredible things. This week's episode is going to be fantastic. We've got Star Red Rock, who's a freelance journalist, author, and content producer, and we'll have a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Star. Hey, Laura. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Happy to be here. So excited to have you on the show. Um, as you probably know, because you've listened to some of the episodes, I always ask the same first question because I'm fascinated by the responses. <laughs> um, and I'm sure yours will be no different. So, Star, what was your first job? My first job technically was when I was... In high school, I was a uh, I was an assistant dance teacher, and um, it was it was interesting. So the duties that we had to fulfill as assistant dance teacher were part of what was known as performing arts workshop repertoire. And this was at my neighborhood dance school. And once you hit fourteen, you were eligible to become part of this repertoire. And they did like a lot of what well, we did performances around the city and sometimes in the tri-state area. And part of our, our jobs were to help assist other dance teachers at the school. And we were paid to do it. It was like something really crazy. Like I, I think $5 a week or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's <seems> illegal. <laughs> but at 14, 15, actually I was 16 when I started the, the, but still, like, that, that, that came in handy. So okay. <laughs> that was technically my first job. I mean, it really was work. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, fuck out of the week. That's called child exploitation. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. So after child exploitation, um, um, how did you get to be having a chat with me here today? What do you do? So, okay, I know that the, the first job story is like, okay, I was 16, right? That, that doesn't help. So what I do right now is um, I am a freelance journalist. I'm a digital content producer and I'm an author. And I like to make the distinction between being a journalist and digital content producer because I think we're in a space right now where a lot of the duties kind of overlap and maybe even merge in some people's eyes, but they are very different. And so... Um, my first job as an adult is, or was, working at, wow, I, I, I worked in PR. So I worked with a woman named April Silver. Shout out to April because she is a dope mentor still to this day. Um, and she runs a PR agency called Aquila Work Songs. And so I was her assistant. And my, my goal was always, I always wanted to be a journalist. And I was just having a hard time finding work. but April was introduced to me through my cousin. She and he went to college together. They're good friends. And so she needed help. And so I, I worked with her. And through that, I was able to build up some contacts and get my journalism career going. So I went from PR to I ended up becoming a web editor. Actually, I went from PR to I started writing for allhiphop.com because through Aquila Work Songs, I met Chuck Creekmer. And so we got to politic. And then from there, an editor at Hip Hop DX kind of started to notice my work. And so then I went into web editing and I worked for a website called hiphopdx.com. 
And so I didn't last there very long. I was there like maybe six months or so. Like I started out as a writer, then became a web editor for their fashion section, which doesn't even exist anymore. And at that time it was new. They were just trying something new. And then from there, I ended up at XXL Magazine as an assistant editor. So um, I've had an interesting career in this journalism space. I, I've been freelance most of my career. And wow. Yeah, like... It, and it's alive. You eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> By some miracle, um, I'm still standing and still working in this industry, but um, it's, it's so unstable. Um, I've had a couple of, I guess, standard staff positions here and there, but I've definitely been freelance a lot longer than I've been um, a staffer. Um, yeah, I, I was, I worked at Vibe as a, I was, I started out as just a contributor then I became entertainment editor or pop culture editor, pop culture editor, that's what they called it. And I've worked at BET and I've just been all over the place. Um, Essence, uh, Honey, when they tried to relaunch, Honey tried to relaunch, I think in, I feel like that was 2009 or 2010. That didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. And right now I am on year five of my last round of full-time freelancing. And um, so before that, I was, my last, I guess, staffer or permalance position was, I was at BET as a content producer. But um, so now I am with American Urban Radio Networks, Fast Company, and Hello Beautiful. Those are like my primary clients. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also worked in, I've worked not just doing journalism stuff, but like I've worked with cosmetics brands. I worked with Iman Cosmetics. I did a lot of their social media content for, lasted for about two and a half years before they let me go. Um, I was permalance. So then it was kind of like, you know, budget cuts. So that's been the story of my career, budget cuts. <laughs> but um, I'm still here by some some miracle. Well, you know, it's it's always, it's, it's, a, it's such a hard and difficult world. What will you been able to do since you've, you know, been full-time freelance? Was there a million one side hustles to like make sure you had like lunch? Yeah. Um, so that I've always managed to have multiple clients at once. That has been the key for me. And then it's also the type of position you have. So it doesn't pay to just pitch one article and and be good. Like you really have to have some sort of, if you can get what's called permalance, because I know a lot of people are still like, what what is that? Permalance is basically you are you, you get paid like a staffer, but you don't get staffer benefits. And most of the time, you probably don't have to even work in the office. Um, permalance can vary. Like, I've had some permalance positions where they wanted me in the office at least once a week or, you know, whatever like that. But, um, yeah, so for me, I've been able to do, like, editorial residencies, um, well, not residency is a word I made up for that, but like I guess a, a more professional word would be like an editor at large or like um, contributing editor. When you get those types of positions or like contributing writers, because then it's like, okay, if you're a contributing writer, you have to write X amount of stories for them for the week or for the month, and then we'll pay you this sum. So it, it pays much better to be that way. And then um, I taught pole dancing at one point. 
Yeah, in uh, 2015. 2015 was like after I got clipped from BET, I, I was kind of in a drought because since I had been with BET, that was my bread and butter. And so I wasn't freelancing as frequently. And so when I got clipped from BET, it was like, okay, this is definitely a dry season. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. And to be fair, I am married. I've been married since 2012. So that's been helpful too, just to have someone in the house with a stable income, even though there have been, there have been times where we've both been kind of on the freelance training because he's, my husband's in media too. But, um, for the most part, I think he's had a lot better luck with, with getting staff positions than I have. And so, um, it comes in handy though. Most of the time when I've been laid off, he's been fine. So we haven't had to deal too much with craziness like that. But, um, so yeah, in 2015, uh, dry season. So, I just happened to be a hobby, a pole dance hobbyist. And so I started teaching pole. <laughs> and then um, I reached out to my network and then freelancing started to pick up again. And then I think the following year ended up with Iman Cosmetics and Iman Cosmetics opened up my eyes to the fact that I don't have to just do journalism. Like there are businesses that need help with various writing services and that's where content production comes into play. So like again, you know, what are we going to what are we going to post on Twitter for this launch of these these nude lipsticks or Facebook um or Instagram or you know, like the content production can really come in handy with when it comes to working with brands. And so I've been exploring that a lot more and just kind of training my brain to learn how to write differently, specifically when it comes to brands. And um, another aspect of, of my writing that I've been able to explore that, that pays a lot more to me in my mind than journalism does, um, branded, content. <laughs> branded content is a really good way to be creative and create content and get paid. And so I've been dabbling with that a lot lately too. Like just expanding how I freelance. Like even though I, I would love to remain a journalist, I mean, it's that's the career that I've wanted to be since I was nine. Like I've, I've always wanted to be a reporter or a news anchor or whatever. <laughs> um, but just the reality now is it's, it's just such a different industry. And so you really have to expand how you write. And that's where you get into, I don't know if anyone's ever seen, or if you, you're, you work in marketing. So I'm, I know you've seen these people who like, they're like, oh, I'm a six figure writer or I'm a six figure marketer or whatever. And you know, some of these people are, are BSing, but there are some who are actually really, really serious about what they're saying about these claims. And it's because they figured out how to leverage their writing with working for brands. Awesome. And so, you know, you found, you found your passion, to, found a way to make money out of your passion, but also figured out how to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yep. that's, that's awesome. So I saw that you, you know, one of the places that you freelance for was Fast Company. Yes. So, you know, that's a publication that, uh, you know, historically doesn't have a ton of content that's around African-American or Black American entrepreneurs. How have you been able to sort of break through there? Yeah, so the story with Fast Company is really interesting. So I started with them in September and I started on a trial basis and um it was like they were just gonna try me out too and then see where it went. And then it was like after the two weeks was up, they were like, Well, actually we like you. We want to add you to our 
our Slack channel. So, uh, like, yes. hell yeah. <laughs> so, so with that, um, so I'm a part of a, so I'm, I'm in a Facebook, I'm in a few Facebook groups that are related to, you know, career. That's another good way to find leads. As much as I hate Facebook, I do enjoy it for, there's still network, still aspects of networking that I like. And one of those things is career related. And so someone posted in a, a journal, a group for writers, not even just journalists, but writers um, from Fast Company that they were looking for freelancers. And so I was like, okay, so I just applied. And this is probably one of the first um, gigs that I applied to that was not in my lane. Because usually I, I've worked at a lot of the urban, I, I hate that word too, but I've worked in a lot of like the, the more black focused uh, publications and lifestyle and entertainment. And so Fast Company was a bit of a change, but the call for writers that they were looking for was for their creativity section, which is basically still, it's entertainment, but it's, um, it's, it's a lot more analytical than you would find at a lot of the entertainment outlets. And so honestly, when they, they reached out to me, I didn't know what, what it was going to be, but and I, and I do think I'm probably the only black woman that, that, uh, that is a writer with their team. Um, and I think there's a, it, it, yeah, it's myself. And then there's a black guy that's on staff there that I know for sure. Um, there's tons of people on staff there that I, that I don't know everyone yet. So I don't want to just put this out like it's absolute fact. But I know from what I've seen thus far since September, it's myself. And then one other black guy were the two black writers. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is we both do focus on black cultural things in ways that are that that try to be relevant and so at with fast company luckily the team there is really really flexible they're really thoughtful they're really flexible and i think one of the reasons why they hired me is because they like the perspective that i come from for example um in my pitch letter i mentioned that i cover blurred culture which i do and I haven't really pitched any any blurred culturally related things to them just yet. But my editor there one day, he, he reached out to me and he's like, hey, you know, I've been loving the work that you've been doing for us, but I want to make sure you're comfortable. Like he was basically saying he wanted to make sure I was covering niche things that I like to cover and that I didn't feel like I was being forced to cover or that it was that it wasn't organic. And he even said, you know, I would love to see more blurred stuff, blurred related things from you. So I'm lucky in the, in the, in the regard that they're pretty open to it. Like they understand that they don't come from my perspective and that my pitches could still be valuable. Um, and I'll give you another example for this. Like I pitched, some things I pitched pushed the envelope a little bit given who their audience is. And given the types of stuff that they post, but like, I think my trial week, for example, I pitched a, a quick little hit, they call them quick hits. I, I pitched a quick hit about Megan Thee Stallion and Jimmy Fallon. They did a video um, remaking Hot Girl Summer, but it was Hot Girl Fall. And they were joking about um, all the fall things that people like, like apple cider and stuff like that. And so I thought it was funny. And then I pitched it about how the concept of hot girl summer and hot girl fall is kind of gender inclusive, which is what Megan has said herself. So uh, one of the editors was like, well, we don't, we don't know if Megan is our audience. But then another editor was like, but the concept of gender 
gender fluidity and then combining that with Jimmy Fallon is kind of interesting. So let's see what she can do with it. And so they let me do that post. I don't know how well it did. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it bombed or whatever. They're not like super obsessed with analytics there. I mean, it matters, but they're not as psycho about it. But I mean, it, 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 it went over and they continued to ask me back to post things. So um, again, like with them, I'm lucky that I can kind of play with whatever I'm interested in and whatever I think the audience might be interested in learning. So um, yeah, with them, it's, it's just a matter of, and for, from, my, from, my, from my perspective, plotting, and I am plotting, I, I definitely want to uh, pitch more Black culturally relevant things. It's just a matter of how I frame it and, you know, if they feel like the audience would be interested in it. And surprisingly, the audience has been interested in, in some of it. Um, I, ha- I interviewed an actress named Kalila Joy, who, she's not a household name, but she comes from, there, there was a streaming universe called Black and Sexy TV, and she comes from that, that world. There's all these, like, it was like all these shows about like black dating and stuff like that. But she's also been on Grey's Anatomy. She's an up and comer. And um, she was in a Christmas movie called Baking Christmas. And it was about a black family who was fighting over their mother's business that she was going to hand down to them. And in the interview, we were just talking about all this like black girl stuff and just real like, hey, girl, yeah, girl. Like it was such a cool interview. And uh, we just talked about uh, Christmas black family stuff like that and they were cool with that too so they're pretty flexible it's just um it just has to be thoughtful and informative but also analytical awesome well i mean i think that's a great lesson for people who are listening because i think oftentimes you're like well what about this or what about that you're like well this is actually how you do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that's really cool so when you've been on this kind of full-time freelance journey has there ever been a challenge that you've come across and you've been like how am I ever gonna get out of this and then you did yeah um I, I keep had, <laughs> listen <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn when to just walk away from things and um so that's one of the challenges I've faced and then also figuring out how to break away from just journalism. So, okay. So right before the mind cosmetics opportunity came into my lap and I have these, these moments, I've had these moments a lot. I still have these moments in my career where I'm like, I hate journalism. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be a freelancer. I don't want to be a staffer. I don't want to work at anyone's newspaper magazine. Like, I don't care what it is. I don't want to be a journalist anymore. I don't want to do any kind of media. (laughs) And so right before the Iman Cosmetics opportunity came, I was focusing a lot more on pole dancing because I had it in my mind that I was going to open up a pole studio. And I had been doing the research, just kind of talking to other pole studio owners and, you know, just uh, talking to people who teach and all these things like that. And like, I had people who were going to be potential business partners. We were talking about writing a business plan. And I learned a lot of things about the fitness industry, particularly that industry that kind of, kind of made me halt for a second. So, and I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't know about this anymore. And then I was like, but I don't know about, about journalism or writing. Because I still like 
And out of nowhere, I think I just decided, you know, let me let me just just do some digging on LinkedIn and see if there's anything that could kind of help to inspire me. Because again, like there's a lot of people out there, like you hear these stories about people who are like they're freelance writers or content creators that make six figures or that make all this money or that are surviving really well and that they're, you know, working for different companies. And so I ended up just kind of just looking on LinkedIn, looking at different marketing articles and like how people are writing. And I got the idea to find Iman Cosmetics again, because um, I actually didn't mention earlier, I interned at Iman Cosmetics back when I was, I was just out of college. I did an internship for them and um, I didn't keep in touch with anyone. It was, you know, it was whatever, but fast forward i was just like oh let me see what the company is doing who's still there and one of the women who was there when i was there was still there and at the time she was president and i at that time that i had found her again she was still like the president or or whatever just a really top position so i reached out to her on linkedin and then coincidentally she was like i'm so glad you reached out to me because we're looking for it started with a blogger but I don't think they understood what they really, they wanted a lot more than, than just blogging. But she, she hit me back and she's like, we're looking for a blogger. And then once I talked things out, I realized, no, they need way more than a blogger. And so that was my first like instance where I was like, okay, this is like, I thought I hit a wall. I thought I hit a dead end, but this is kind of a pivot. And so that was, that was a moment where it was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I can be a writer. I can do other things besides writing articles, writing news articles. I can really help kind of brand voice development. And I don't even think there's a, there's really a word for that, but um, that was one moment where I felt like I hit a dead end and kind of bounced back. Um, I've had a lot of moments like that where I was just like, I'm done. And then I would literally give up and then something comes around and it's like, no, don't give up. You should actually do this. And actually that's where I was when Fast Company reached out to me last year. So they reached out to me in August. And um, prior to that, just things had been drying up for me on the freelance front. And I was just like again, here we are again at this point in my career where I just feel like, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to figure out what the pivot is. But then Fast Company came calling. So I've been having, I've had these, these, these interesting, like, universal or just, you know, maybe, maybe it was God sending a message, like, Mm-hmm. No, you're on the right path, you know, keep going, or this is, this is the alley-oop I'm going to give you when you think you're going to quit. And then it's like, okay, it kind of sparked something new in me where I see, okay, I can go this way, or I can do this, or I can do that. And so I think those are probably the worst things that's happened to me, where it's just like, clients dry up, and then I'm like, okay, I quit, I'm done. And then something sparks that, something reignites that, that, that interest in me to, to write and create content. And I hope I'm answering these questions. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's, that's okay. 
I'm, I'm just like sitting in awe because I'm like, thank you for giving all these great gems. I don't have to say much. This is awesome. This makes my life so much easier. <laughs> thank you. Um, that's, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what I want people to understand. Like I, like I said, I want to have a shine, especially for this month long endeavor that I crazily decided to do two weeks ago and then look what happened. Um, but yeah, you've just got like an amazing spirit and, and and one foot in front of the other and then like listen i'll put it up to universe and then look what happens thank so, you yeah <laughs> you can't you can't break that at all so now that you you're freelancing in fast company and other places and you've also figured out how to make a living which means brand content creation uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh what's next for you that's a good question i'm trying to figure that out myself like i am a student of learning like I love to learn and so I definitely am considering going back to school or getting some kind of certification I'm interested in a lot of things um one of the one of the fields that I've been exploring actually is medical writing and in my quest yeah like in my quest to continue to write but actually remain a freelancer because I do love my freedom um you know some like some people are just suited for things and for me I know that I'm suited to be an independent worker and if I can remain an independent worker that makes a survivable wage a livable wage then that's what I will do for as long as I can live and so um I interestingly enough interviewed uh someone who I went to college with because he's doing a lot of like really cool things in the the uh, vacation property space like he's bought a lot of like vacation properties and built a really business really 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 good business um, around that model but he mentioned that his wife was a medical writer and I was like oh medical writing I wouldn't even wouldn't even have thought but then I explored it and it's like a real deal field it's like legit like you can do it freelance or you can do it for pharmaceutical companies or different types of like medical related companies where they need people to 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 translate certain documents translate as in just to make it not sound so medical or to make it sound a lot more simple or layman's or whatever and so i've been looking into that and with that though i'm finding that the people who have the most success as medical writers tend to have degrees and it's usually like a degree in biology or some kind of science. So I've been exploring that. Um, I don't know if I really want to go back to school for biology, but it's, it's, I'm looking into it. Um, I'm also looking into certain fitness certifications. I have a, a, an ACE package from, from the, um, from ACE, the, the fitness brand, they have, you know, different books and catalogs and things like that that you can study to become a certified group fitness instructor, a personal trainer, um, a personal trainer that specializes in, in women's bodies, particularly women who've had children. And so I'm highly interested in that. And then um, I want to write more books. You know, I didn't touch on my book, but um, my, so my first book, I actually published in, I published it in 2016 and it's called Bloggers Can't Be Trusted. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> It's a comedy and it actually is kind of a a loose parody of my experiences in the entertainment industry. (laughs) Um, I self-published. That's another story, but I decided to self-publish 
and it it got really really good reception people most people for the most part thought it was funny thought it was entertaining to this day i have people asking me when is my next book coming out uh, am I ever going to turn it into a script? I had two people who have connections in the, the TV film industry ask me or tell me I should turn it into a script because then I can start to kind of pitch it. So to answer your question about what's next, I am the type of person where I don't have any one thing. I've learned to kind of chill out on planning everything. I think you always have to do the work, but sometimes the plans are just going to change. That has been my my experience. I had planned most of my life to either to be like an editor in chief of of something (laughs) by now. And that just hasn't happened. And I'm okay with that. Um, So for me, I'm doing the work. The planning is it's, it's loose, but I'm not like, okay, by this, by the time I turn 40, I have to be this. And by the time I turn 50, I have like, that's not there for me anymore. I just know that I like to do different things. And I have created a list of things that I want to accomplish. And so definitely the certifications, I do want some sort of fitness certification. And I don't know if I'm ever going to open a pole studio anymore. Again, I, I learned some things about that that I'm kind of like, I don't know about that. But it, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean that I can't still have personal clients. So that's one thing. So I'm definitely interested in um, the fitness certification and with regard to women who have had children, because uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're not taught that fascinates me and especially because I've had a baby and I've seen the changes in my body and I've talked to women so definitely like a women's fitness certification going back to school maybe um it's a matter of figuring out what type of school do I want to go back to (laughs) like do I want like a a full-on master's in something or do I want a second bachelor's in something do I want a bs in something so that's probably a longer term goal that I really have to narrow down but um, in the shorter term, definitely more books. I have, I have a couple of ideas for a, a, a part two to Bloggers Can't Be Trusted or, or a spinoff of Bloggers Can't Be Trusted. I'm working on that now. And then a children's book. Um, I have a concept. I just need to flesh it out. And so I think in the near future, books will be the first thing I tackle. And then we'll move on to what these other things are and what they look like. Awesome. I think there's tons there and phenomenal stuff there. <laughs> Thank um, you. So, you know, you've got all this stuff going on, um, especially as part of our, the series. You know, I'd love to know what is your self care routine? Is it reality mm-hmm. TV? massages, a quiet day at home, away from, the, away from the family? What, how do you sort of make time for Star? That is, that's a great question. Reality TV used to be self-care, but now it's work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. True. You're like, no, I have to watch The Housewives, darling. Right. I have to re- recap things and like stay on top of stuff. But uh, no, interestingly enough, my self-care is going to my fitness classes. I am, as you've heard, <laughs> really into pole dancing. Uh, For a long time, I've been obsessed with pole dancing, but lately I've also been dabbling a lot more into other forms of aerial fitness, which would be hoop and silks. And so 
my self-care is going to these classes and just kind of forgetting about everything else that's happening and just focusing on learning this craft and, and building myself up. So that's one thing. And it, it also allows me to have some alone, t- alone time outside of the house and to just kind of just throw myself into a different world. Like the aerial world, it really is like, it's a vortex. It really is. And I just, I I enjoy that. I enjoy the camaraderie that comes from that. And just, it's just so fulfilling to me. Like when I, like, for example, I just started doing aerial silks like a couple of weeks ago. And (laughs) yeah, I'm terrible at it. (laughs) But I know from my experience with pole, I was terrible at pole once too, and then started to build up that comfort level and finally kind of just, it just started to make a lot more sense. And so I, I, I look forward to that with, with aerial silks and um, I haven't done hoop in a while, but I rotate. So pole is the consistent, but then like, you know, maybe this week I'll go to a pole class and a silks class or a pole class and a hoops class or, you know, lately it's been silk. So definitely my, the way I unplug is by going to these classes and just getting it in and just forgetting about everything else. Awesome. Phenomenal. So last question, because this is um, hopefully becoming, will become a really awesome thing that happens throughout the month as this series goes on. Um, I have, what would be your give or your ask or both? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, we want this to sort of perpetually grow. And, you know, I deliberately picked just 29 women, although it's now, I think, 40. (laughs) (laughs) I open my mouth and look what happens. Um, But I, I want I want people to you know get some good out of this and mm-hmm. and and also as you we were saying before we sort of speak into the universe it's oftentimes happened like I thought mm-hmm. about this idea and then like all of it kind of fell on my lap and I'm like forty eight hours so <laughs> so same idea so if you've got a give or an ask that you'd like to share with the audience I'd love to hear it so I have a give and an ask which is and it's the same and that is authenticity authenticity has become such a buzzword and I almost hate to use it but I feel like it's 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 so needed it's so necessary no so necessary um I'm a genuine person I can't be anything that I am not and so that is something that I've experienced in my career in terms of like sometimes I feel like maybe I would be farther along or maybe I would have accomplished certain goals if I was this type of person or if I could pretend to be like this or, you know, like like there's just a lot of um, posing that I see. But at the same time, I have noticed there's a certain formula sometimes that seems to work for people who are successfully achieving some of the things I would like to do. And I'm just like, well, some of these things just don't feel natural to me. And so that's why I say I'm, I'm a genuinely authentic person. Like if it doesn't feel right, it's just not right. And I hope I give that to people. And I hope that people in turn can take that and learn to give that back into the world. Like, we know that sometimes people struggle with being authentic because they feel like people might think a certain thing about them or, you know, maybe it makes them feel better to, to 
give off something that's not really who they are. But in the end, you're not, you're not winning by wearing a mask. So I just, I want to give authenticity. I hope that people receive that I am a genuine down-to-earth person and that genuine down-to-earth people still exist. Not everyone is a poser. Not everyone is, is trying too hard. And I just hope that people who need it or someone who needs to hear this, I just hope that they learn to be genuine and learn that it's okay to be yourself. Like it really is. It sounds cliche and you hear people say it all the time. But then like, if you look around, you kind of see that even though people are saying to be yourself, a lot of people still aren't being themselves. People are faking what it is to be yourself. And I just, I just want to see more authenticity. If you're a weirdo, be a weirdo. If you are. Let <laughs> <laughs> <Let> me. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I've learned it. And actually, this is a lesson I've learned from, from my, my daughters. My daughter is, she's almost three and a half. And um, just to give you an example of what I mean by this is because children live freely. And I've been learning a lot from her. Like just a couple of weeks ago, she had to go into surgery to get her, her tonsils taken out. And um, on the day we were leaving the house, she said she wanted to wear a mask. She, she had made this mask at daycare. It was like a Halloween pumpkin masquerade kind of mask it was so goofy but she's three all she knows is I want to wear this mask and she said I want to wear this mask for the doctors and it was part of her outfit part of her ensemble and that's because that is who she was that's what she wanted to do that's what made her happy and so I didn't fight it I let her go ahead and be herself and so <laughs> exactly as one does. I just want everybody to to know that it really is okay to be yourself. Whatever that thing is, whatever those quirks are that you have or those idiosyncrasies, um, as long as they're not hurting anyone, <laughs> they're definitely needed in the world. If you are the type of person that, I don't know, if you're standing in a grocery aisle and you feel like dancing, go ahead and dance. You know, you <laughs> just be you. Do your, exactly. do your thing. So authenticity. Awesome. But that is a, a beautiful give and ask. Thank you so much, Star. It, I, mean, I can just keep on talking to you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I really like your podcast, too. I really do. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed having a chat with you, and I'm so glad you're part of 29 Days of Magic. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, um, you know, it's, it's so nice to come. Kind of, I think oftentimes people hear about f people who are full-time freelance and think they live in some mythical, mythical place. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that you sort of broke it down to bra brass tacks for our audience. So that, that's super duper appreciated. Um, but yes, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I look forward to feedback <laughs> about this. <laughs> You're all good. Uh, <laughs> Um, and uh, that is our show. <laughs>